ready. Good evening. Welcome to the City of Centerville Planning and Zoning Commission meeting for Tuesday, February 6, 2024, time 6.30. We'll start off by roll call. Mark, if you could start the roll call. Commissioner Kalina? Present. Commissioner Kruger? Present. Commissioner Olson? Here. Commissioner Nelson? Here. <coughs> Next, moving on, we'll go to the Pledge of Allegiance. We all stand. Move your caps. Page four. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Next up, uh, approval agenda. Tonight we're going to be switching things around. We're going to be moving section seven up to new business up to the next item. Yeah, I think what, you'd, what you would say is you're just going to handle new business ahead of awards, presentations, and appearances. Okay, we're going to start tonight with new businesses and appearances. And Mr. Uh, Chair, did we approve the agenda? It's, it's, okay, let's approve the agenda. I need a motion for. I'll make yeah, a motion yeah. to approve the agenda. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Agenda's approved. Moved on to, we're going to move up to new business first here. Um, Mark, if you can give us the background. For yeah. New so what we have in front of you tonight here, um, So, <laughs> all right, let me just, uh, I'm going to try pulling up a different version of this here. I don't know what is going on with that. But. Deal without the, um. more clunky because I don't have my bookmarks, but this will at least I have something on the screen, which is helpful. All right, so um, tonight's agenda item is about um, the Mac storage facility, which you may be familiar with. About a year ago or so, maybe a little bit longer, um, we approved um, the Planning Commission and then the City Council uh, approved a conditional use permit for the development that we uh, come to know as the Mac storage. Um, Development consisted of two eight-bay buildings. Um, currently, one of those has been constructed, and um, if you recall, it, it's um, a unique facility in that uh, it's a storage facility first and foremost, so a mini storage, thus the term max storage, because it's much bigger bays than you would normally see at a mini storage. Um, but the uh, landowners also uh, would like to explore and, and have explored through our uh, process the ability to um, house other types of uses um, and with regard to zoning those uses are enumerated in the industrial district and so you have a table of allowed uses that we 
look to anytime we have a proposal on something and we find out, okay, well, this property is in the industrial zone, so we go to the industrial zone column. We look down and say what uses are have a P in front of them, what uses have a C in front of them, what uses don't have anything in front of them. If they don't have anything, it's not allowed. If you have a P, it's a permitted use. In other words, there's no further action needed. Um, if they have a C in front of them, we go through a conditional use permit process. And um, in this case, when they were building the storage um, facility, we went through the conditional use permit process because there's a C in front of storage um, in the industrial district. And so they went through and have obtained and have an active conditional use permit. As part of that conditional use permit, um, it, it sort of contemplates the idea that when each bay is occupied by a, a new business, um, if it's not just pure storage, it's not just someone storing their RV in their camper, um, that the owners are to bring us a, sort of a, a form that we would develop and we have developed, um, kind of talking about what, what business is going to be going in there. So, um, so as it mentions here in the, in the excerpt from the uh, CUP, it says uses permitted within uh, <coughs> units on site or inside the building are permitted in the I-1 zoning district. And then, um, sorry, cut feed here too. And then, and a couple things down, it says, uh, if a use other than mini storage is proposed for any unit that is allowed, by conditional use permit in the I-1 zoning district, the property owner will need to apply for the C, for a CUP um, to get approval for that particular use. Um, and then number four there says the property owner will notify the city in a manner defined by the city. That's just that form we have adopted um, of any use other than mini storage in any of the units and a determination will be made if the use is permitted or not. If permitted by CUP, as noted above, then the CUP process goes forward. That's a bit redundant, but... Again, the, the process here is if anyone is coming in that's not just a pure storage, they submit a little form to us. We say, yep, that looks good, or no, you need a C, it looks good, but you need a CUP. So in this case, what we've done um, is we've looked at uh, four different uses that they've proposed, and I just want to run through each one of those um, kind of one by one here. And... Um, First use there is um, the bulk water storage or bulk water delivery. So this is essentially a, a person who has a, uh, a water tanker or tube. Perhaps I think he's working on a second one, um, and they would be you know filling swimming pools. Mr. Kruger, maybe future uh, someone to do business with. Uh, uh, you know flooding hockey rinks, and I, I assume as well. There's many many uses in the construction industry for dust control irrigation of sod and all that kind of stuff. So um, it would be that type of thing. Really the, the activity or the use in the building is simply storage of the vehicles and there's really no, nothing else going on in the building other than to show up in the morning, get in the truck and drive away, perhaps fill the tank with water. There's a lot of um, things to be worked out there in terms of whether or not there's enough water in the building to do that. Otherwise he'd be utilizing um, you know, hydrants either in our city or wherever he's going um, to do that uh, filling of the tank. So um, essentially this business is what we would look at as a pure storage business and vehicle storage is one of the items that can be stored and that's because they um, provided sprinklers in the building and that kind of thing. So 
Um, staff's recommendation here on number one is that um, there's really no further action and there's really, we're not asking the Planning Commission to act on it. This is purely informational at this point. Um, the next three proposals are get a little bit more complicated um, and, um, but not too scary, I hope. So in the industrial district, um, there's a list, not, on, not just on that table, but in the code itself, it lists out everything that's in the table. Sometimes it gives a little brief explanation of what that means, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and then uh, at the very bottom it says, as a permitted use, in other words, one that doesn't require a CUP, it says, use is not explicitly enumerated in this section as permitted uses, but closely similar, and that's kind of the key term, closely similar thereto, as determined by, and then again, key terms here, as determined by the Planning and Zoning Commission. And so that's why we're here tonight, is that I'm not the Planning and Zoning Commission, you are, um, but what we do as a staff is we act as the zoning administrator, and so we'll make a sort of a preliminary determination. Um, again, if there's no question about it, we don't bring it in front of you, but if, if we're, um, so if it's an explicitly enumerated use, so if it says, um, you know, auto body shop, and it's an auto body shop, then we wouldn't bring that in front of you because it's explicitly enumerated. In this case, um, the next two uses we're gonna look at aren't explicitly enumerated. In other words, it doesn't, uh, one of them is a car detailing um, uh, business. It doesn't, nowhere in the table does it say car detailing is allowed. So then we're left with this letter N, is that use closely similar to something else? And um, that needs to be determined by you. So we've given you a preliminary discussion and recommendation based on staff's um, analysis. And um, again, proposal number two is this auto detailer. Um, if you don't know what auto detailing is, it's you know sort of just intense cleaning uh, inside and outside. Um, it would also offer services such as window tinting, uh, installation of other auto accessories like protective films, if you've ever seen those. My truck, I think, has some of those. Um, and, um, but important to note, no vehicle repair is done in the classic sense of we're not changing oils, we're not doing brake jobs and that kind of stuff. So um, vehicle repair under this CUP is not allowed. So um, again, the, the types of services offered here are you know, pretty non-invasive um, to neighbors. They're not gonna be causing a lot of noise or fumes or anything like that. And so we felt that the activities involved, and again, that's what we're really talking about here is the use of this is um, closely uh, similar to um, machine and repair shops. So a machine and repair shop might be where people are making customized parts, uh, you know, um, and doing other sort of um, custom industrial type work. And again, why it's closely similar to that is just that everything occurs indoors. There's no fumes. There's no noise. There's no, um, you know, excessive um, heat or danger or hazards of any sort. And so um, we would view this as closely similar to a machine and repair shop. Uh, you know, auto detailing, you could also make an argument, uh, is considered closely similar to a car wash, which is also a permitted use in the industrial district. So, kind of no matter which way you slice this business, it seems that it is uh, closely similar to one of our um, items in the industrial district, and therefore staff's, staff's recommendation is to allow it as a permitted use. And what we would do in these cases is, as you consider this uh, proposed um, use, 
if you found that staff's recommendation was um, in line with your line of thinking, you would um, adopt findings, that, and the findings would sort of help guide us to, um, you know, it's sort of like a memo to the file, like here's why we said this is closely similar. And um, you're just, again, adopting those findings to say we found it to be closely similar to machine repair shops and car washes, and therefore it's an allowed use. And we kind of record that into the record, and then um, the owners and the potential tenants can move forward with um, the building permit part of the process. So, um, so we'll circle back to that, but that's what we would be recommending on that one. Proposal number three is this UTV outfitter, and um, I'll, Mr. Chair, at some point we may ask the um, owners here to come up or the tenant, potential tenants, if I didn't get this exactly right, but um, this business is um, outfitting UTVs with various accessories. I think they were talking about uh, sometimes swapping out lights and those types of things. Um, so if I mischaracterize anything here, I'd be glad to, you know, Mr. Chair, with your permission, have them come up and explain a little further. But sounds again like the you know traditional vehicle repair is not going to be done here. We're not coming out with greasy, oily hands. We're we're just doing minor um, modifications to these vehicles, um, and so. Again, we're finding here that um, machine and repair shops seems like a closely similar use, in a, especially in terms of the hazards involved, the noise, the other type of nuisance um, things, or the lack thereof. So again, staff's recommendation here is to allow this as a permitted use with the finding that it's closely similar to machine and repair shops um, as a permitted use in the, uh, under the city code. Um, again, we'll circle back to formal action there. And then Proposal number four um, is this uh, cabinet maker. Um, again, this is a, a little bit different in the fact that it, it seems most closely similar um, to um, more like manufacturing, processing assembly, um, which is a C uh, in, in front of that in the table, and so it's a conditional use. That means it's allowed, and um, we need to allow it, but we can attach reasonable conditions to it. And so um, this use, we could certainly uh, give commentary on it tonight, um, but what we would do is we would simply await uh, the application for a conditional use permit to come forward. And, and um, a conditional use permit does require a public hearing, and that's why we can't act on it tonight. We need to have a public hearing um, first for that. So um, just as a, a note here, I wanted to make that because part of the business is, is it sounds like the, the business is not um, necessarily all day every day doing woodworking but also just a big part of it is just the storing of all the supplies and all that kind of stuff in the trucks and so um, that particular part of the use is allowed and would be allowed immediately um, under the existing zoning and uh, without a CUP so if um, as long as there's not the, the activities of woodworking, in other words, you know, loud machinery, dust, and those types of things, then um, we don't need to have a CUP. But once those machines kind of come into the use, then it becomes a, a bit different category. So, um, yeah, I think that's about summarizes it. Um, again, with this fourth proposal, we're not asking for any action at this point in time. We would look for a CUP to be submitted and would come at the next meeting. Uh, I think that was the end of my memo. Yeah.
attached to that is just the let's see if you just want to review any other conditions in there. So, Mr. Chair, uh, just to summarize and recap again, proposals two and three are being recommended by staff for um, to have the Planning Commission find that they're uh, that they agree with the, the proposal from the staff that they are closely similar to machine and repair shops and that they could move forward as planned uses under the zoning code. Take any questions, and if you know it's not necessary to bring the applicant up, uh, but you can certainly ask those folks questions too if you want. Oh, yeah, I think Let's bring them up. Why don't you have the number two come up first, business? And it is number two proposal here. Yeah. You know, Mr. Chair, sometimes it's nice just to have an introduction, if nothing else. Yeah. You want to just introduce yourself and let us know about your business. And if you could, for your record, just state your name and address. For? Just for our records, for the minutes. My home address or just? Yeah. Okay. Um, Name is Kuvain. Live over in Malden, one eight seven nine zero Garnett Street. And just tell us a little bit about your business. So, um, auto detail is well. Everybody knows you you clean cars, um, wiping care, car wash. Um, that's about it. Carpets and stuff like that. Just trying to vacuum everything, and then um, going towards film window window tent. Just applies. Water and baby soap, nothing harsh. Uh, film protector is just the same thing, baby soap. That's about it. Okay. You guys have any questions you can ask? Mr. Chair, one thing I know that the owner and uh, the applicant have um, just talked about is the parking. You know, uh, the, the site is, is designed to have a couple parking spots per bay, and um, so there is some room for parking and um, just Maybe give us an understanding of what you what your plan is for um, shuffling cars in and out as as you do them. So plan is um, mo uh, mostly will be just drop off for the day, pick up at the end of the day, or maybe like a two day thing, job. Sure. So there won't be anything. So any over overnight parking outside, any, outside, right. or anything. It will be just parking cafe inside. Yeah. The bays are fairly large. I would say what. <coughs> Two passenger, maybe three passenger vehicles in there. At least, at least, maybe four. Yeah, so they're quite large. You know, two two dock trucks could fit in there easily. I think, right? And um, you know, if you're doing fancier cars, I want an auto detailing. That's probably uh, you're probably not detailing too many uh, dock trucks, but uh, <laughs> the passenger vehicles. Oh, we could, vehicles. but <laughs> <laughs> if you got a really nice dock truck, right? So, yeah, I think I think the applicant and the owners understand that uh, overnight parking outside is. In certain circumstances, would be allowed, but in, in of course here that we just have the minimal parking there. So sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that was you. my question. Yeah. Okay. And now, if you want uh, the UTV outfitter, are they here? Uh, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I, I guess Chatter Nam, do you want to speak anymore? Did I get it right or close enough? Yeah. Sorry, Mr. Chair, I didn't mean to steal your time. I don't have all the, my name's not me, I'm the co-owner with Chad of the storage facility. John's not here available tonight, but he did give us, we had a few calls with him, and uh, he's retrofitting uh, certain vehicles for EMT vehicles, 
the bulk of the retrofitting of those vehicles will be done off-site. He's mainly storing the vehicles in our bays and then doing a, a few touch-up modifications, such as replacing a turn signal or something like that to a turn color or something like that to address some of the specifications. But he's not going to do a bulk of the uh, modifications of the vehicles in our bays. That's just primarily for storage. Any additional questions about that? No. no. Thank you. Thank you. Is this Mr. Chair, you cabinet maker here, Mark? Um, you know, I, is a cabinet maker here? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Not, not here. Yeah. Okay. It, we actually just sent it over the phone. He wasn't going to be able to recognize it. Oh, yeah. 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 We've had uh, several discussions on the phone with Todd. Um, <coughs> he is a he wasn't going to attend tonight just because I uh, had some conflicts, but. Uh, he's very still very interested in the the bay itself and understands that there's going to be some additional process that's going to be required in order to get compli um, be compliant with the city codes and um, ordinances. But he's still very interested. Um, we have talked about the additional CUP that might be required for him, and he's still interested in, in doing that. He um, is going to be he's a cabinet maker, so he assembles cabinets. He's going to do some light woodworking in the bay. He also makes mantles for um, fireplaces, so that's his primary products he'd be doing. He does have a large vehicle he wants to store within the bay to help transport those um, finished products, so he'd be doing that as well. Um, so, but he understands that there's going to be some additional process because it's not exactly a permitted, or it's not a, a, a permitted uh, application. It's just something that's conditional. It's a conditional. He has to apply for a CUP for that, so he's very much aware of that. Okay, very good. So, and. So you have eight bays, they're all done, and how many are probably leased out already, or potentially? So Officially zero. Officially zero. Uh, Chad is the co-owner. He's a food truck operator. He's he's pretty much um, going to be one of the bays. Um, Koo is, nobody's, nobody has like signed a, a lease yet. Yeah. So, so you're looking at February, right? Maybe. Or not March. They, they've, they've, they've obtained their condition or their certificate of occupancy, so they are officially yeah. open for business. Everybody. Yeah, we obtained it that last Wednesday, okay. so we're oh. officially open for business now. But we haven't had anyone sign it. Uh, just some some issues here with um, some of the ordinances, but I think people are, are kind of excited to get in, and uh, obviously we're excited to have them in there because we have some bills to pay ourselves. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, Mr. Chair, you could handle uh, the two that need action. You could handle them together or separately, however you wish to do that. Do, do we want to discuss? Anybody have any issues with two or three? That's pretty straightforward. Self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. I think they'll work. So, maybe get a motion on two and three if somebody wants to draw up one. I'd make a motion to uh, accept... Uh, Proposal two for auto detailing and proposal three for the uh, UTV outfitter. And Mr. Nelson, if I could have you just um, uh, have just ask if your motion includes the findings of, as recommended by staff. Yes, as recommended by staff. I'll second it. Any further discussion? All in favor, signify saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Very much. Okay. So, Mr. Chair, I think we're 
then um, if you want to go to Kurt now, or do you or you want to finish anything else up? Or we can we'll go back to awards, presentation, appearances, and we'll start with Kurt of the Open Meeting Law Review, City Attorney. And Mr. Chair, if you don't mind, I'm going to pull Kurt up, and I, I'm going to just ask Chad and Don to stick around if I can talk to them just afterwards, just real briefly. I'm going to make sure you can hear and see Kurt first, though, here. So, Mark, the cabinet maker, he'll just have to bring forth the COP and we'll yep. revisit that in the future. And we'll have a uh, public hearing next meeting, yeah. Okay. Little tiny Kurt. Let's make him bigger. <laughs> Oops. Come on. Delete it. Okay, Kurt, why don't you unmute yourself and begin talking and I'll adjust your volume. Hello, everybody. This is Kurt Glazer, your friendly uh, city attorney. And Mark and I were thinking that because there's some new folks on the committee, it's wise to go through uh, what the open meeting law is and what that means for you folks. So how's the volume here? Is it working? Good. Yes, it's working. Oh. All right. So uh, can you please, because the, the host has disabled screen sharing, would you please enable screen sharing? Yes, I will. Just one moment here. All right. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit about my handy-dandy handout. Um, so if you've been through this uh, before, this will be a refresher. If you're new to government committees, welcome to uh, really complex regulation of what you're doing because that's what government wants to do. And we have a system of open government that's basically there to ensure transparency so that whatever business that you decide happens at a meeting like tonight and that other business that you are involved in for the government doesn't get decided someplace else. You know, it was pretty famous that people used to meet at the coffee shop and talk about all kinds of government stuff and plenty of cities actually kind of did their business there. But that wasn't available to the public, although didn't know that members of committees or members of city councils were meeting. And so people didn't understand how they made decisions. And today we have the open meeting law. So the idea is to meet here and any luck there? Um, can you try to share it? Nope, because host disabled okay, participant screen share. Okay, hold on a sec. All right. Do I have a super uh, exquisite, a really powerful and dramatic um, thing I'd like to share with you? Apparently, I can't. And so I'll, I'll go through this uh, topic as best as can. So what this really means is um, it's pretty obvious. Come and meet at these meetings. What isn't obvious is the way that, that you can break this law because we now have text and email um, and those things can get you in trouble. And so let's first talk about the kind of trouble you can get into if you break the law. And if you do that, you personally can get in trouble for these types of things. If you violate the open meeting law, you pay a $300 fine. City doesn't pay it. Um, if you violate the open meeting law at least three times, you can be removed from your office. That has happened only a handful of times in the history of the state. And then the city can get sued quite a bit. Uh, we have to pay attorney's fees and 
all kinds of reasonable costs to the other side that sues the city up to $13,000. And so, you know, what you do here on the community means real money to the people sitting out in the audience. If you made an adverse decision for somebody's property, and that meant tens of thousands of dollars of um, engineering fees, or they couldn't build a project and they lost profit because you made a decision in somebody's garage uh, when you're having a couple beers, the city could really be on the hook. And so we ask you not to do that. And the easiest way to get around that is uh, if you want to meet with your friends that are on the committee, you could always uh, simply ask the city staff to post your garage. I'm not even kidding about that. And the reason I use that is because Tom Lee was an old council member. I think he was on TMZ, right, John? Um, and we, he was having a kegger at his garage once, and they, he also played bass, and he had a band. And we noticed his garage as a potential meeting point so that a bunch of people from city council and city committees could go have a beer and watch him play uh, because we knew he'd be there. So... Uh, city staff is really happy to do that. There's a lot of lions that are on city committees, and if there's too many lions um, at a lion event that are on committees, um, and you break the quorum rule, which we'll go through in a second, you would get in trouble if you're talking about city business. If you're, it's not going to get you in trouble if you if you met with your friends who are on city committees and you talked about the twins. You're allowed to do that, but if you talk about city business then that's where you can get trouble. And the other problem that you can run into is this. People won't know what you're talking about. And so if they saw three people from this committee together, they might complain and say, oh my gosh, they're they're violating their meeting law just because they're together. So the appearance of a problem can also be a thing here. Um, so that's why if you ever want to meet in um, kind of a social setting like that, City staff will post a meeting and make wherever you are, whether it's at Kelly's, whether it's somebody's garage, whether it's at a Lions event or whatever, um, they can make that a legal event by simply posting the fact that you guys will be there together. Now, how do you break this law? Um, right now, normally there's seven seats on the Planning and Building Commission. I think right now there is two open seats. Is that right? Yes. That's, yes. Yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So um, right now there's only five people. What that means is if three of you get together, that is a quorum of the committee. So there's only five seats. That means there's three. And if three of you get together and talk about city business, you've now violated the open meeting law. Now, everybody knows now from what I've said that they three people together, they would immediately start talking about the twins and not about city business. Um, well, what happens if you are sending email or text string? The problem with that is if um, John sends an email to, to Bruce, and then Bruce sends an email, the same email, and forwards it to Linda, three of these people have had now communication together, and that violates the open meeting law. So be careful when you're emailing is that there is limited circumstances where you can email one other person or two other people on the committee. But if you have a reply all to the entire committee, or if you start serially passing along emails by forwarding them, you could easily violate the open meeting law 
through that kind of serial communication. And you, so you just don't want to do that. So if you do have messages that you want to send to the entire committee, especially John, because you're the, the chair, send that message to staff. Send that message to Mark or Sonatia, because they can have the right to email the entire committee and to get feedback from the entire committee. But if you do it outside of a meeting and you have that serial communication where it's John Kruger to Gerald to Bruce, Linda, you're violating the open meeting law by having that serial communication. And you don't want to do that. Okay? So, uh, I promised Mark that I would talk for an entire hour. Kurt, Kurt, have you tried to share your screen? There's not a lot more to it than that. Um, if you need to post for a special meeting, Mark is happy to do that. Sonatia is happy to do that. Chris or Teresa can even do it. Um, you need some notice time to post for a meeting. Uh, they, they need at least three days at City Hall to get that post up there. Uh, but other than that, just really kind of save up your business. Bring it with you to the meeting that you're at tonight. Kurt, can you, can, you, your can you try to share your screen at this point? And now I can share my screen. Uh, I think I just kind of verbally covered up okay. everything here. Okay. Uh, Mark, did you happen to get an email for me to pass this out? Yes, I did, and I didn't print it out. Okay. okay. So uh, I think you might get this email, and it just talks about everything email to you that I afterwards. just mentioned. Yeah. At the top of this summarizes everything I just talked about, all the stuff in red. Is that group emails sent to all committee members, those are illegal. Zero communications are illegal because if you do phone text from one member to the other, if you have a chain email text, uh, they text. Um, that's going to violate the open meeting law. Okay. And if you have secret meetings, or if three of you even get together at a blind meeting, that would be illegal as well. So, screen sharing just seems to stop. Okay. Can you try it one more time? You're muted there, Sonia. Okay. Hold on. I can't hear you. All right. Share one more time. If you guys have any questions, I'd love to hear you, but uh, the meeting to me is muted. Okay. Just hit your space bar. Okay. All right, maybe uh, I thought if I could take notes and hold them up to the screen if you have any questions and I can read that. <laughs> I can't hear her. <laughs> Click on the screen and right on your on your face, and that usually will on the okay. blue dot on the right. Okay, just a moment. Open up a one moment. Thing. Glad to hear Max Burge is doing so well. I'm happy to work on some of those DUPs.
Honestly, that was all I was going to talk about from the closed uh, or the open meeting law perspective. Okay. Since you, I, can't hear I can't hear anything you guys are saying. Do you want to just move okay. on with the agenda? Yeah, that's fine. And then if anyone has any questions, maybe they can give them to you if I'm seeing it. Email and I'll answer their questions as best I can. Yeah, top right, Athanasia, where you got that little. Uh, the view? Nope. No. Three dots. Go down in your. Uh, it was in your, in your photo, picture. Carol. In your square. Oh, yeah. It says three, into the three dots there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Top right. Yep. All right. Can you hear me, Kurt? I can hear you. I can hear you. Hey, yeah. Kurt. It's good to see you. Can't hear you. Oh, finally. Okay. Um, Yes, it, so I can certainly um, pass around the information that you um, that you provided. Does anybody have any questions? I do have any questions. No. How do we get an email address from the city? Some people have it and others don't. Okay, everybody should have it. it, it all of our um, boards and commissions have one. Um, if we need to reset your password, then we can do that. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll take we'll care of that. We'll take care of that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Please use your city emails and do not use your, your personal cell phone to text on city business and don't use your, your personal email addresses. That will also keep us a record of open meeting law. If we ever get sued because there's a, a problem with open meeting law, the first thing they'll ask for is, hey, have you ever used your personal email for city business? And then suddenly they will subpoena all of your emails to your personal email. And we just don't want to see that kind of intrusion into your privacy. So that's why you get that city email. Use it. Please use it. Thanks. Kurt, can you hear me? I can. I can. My only question is, uh, so if you, a member of the PNZ gets together with, let's say, two council members, that, and we don't talk city business, that doesn't have to be posted, right? It's only if you're on the same commission, so not council versus planning, zoning. Right. Think of it like forum. If you can make a quorum of anybody, whether it's council or it's a commission, that's when you break the law. So if two council members show up and you, you're fine. If three council members show up, they're in trouble. Same thing for you. If two council members show up and now three members of the PNZ, because you're two feet short, you would be in trouble. Okay. But otherwise, yeah, mix and match. If you, you know, that works. Okay. I have a question. Let's just say we go to a city event, maybe um, the summer. What? I'm, the I'm, yes, yes. And three of us show up. Is that legal? Did you catch that, Kurt? I only caught the end of it. If three show up, that's something like pet deluxe. So you know, three we're at the festival and three people show up randomly, and you go, uh oh. Remember, if you're just at Festival Locks because you're enjoying Festival Locks and you're not talking about city business, you're not breaking the law. You know, some people, if you're three of you are together, they could, you know, accuse you of that and that would be uncomfortable, but you're still not breaking the law. Just keep that in mind. Hey, Mark, have we, have we posted Festival Locks before? Yeah, sometimes we'll. Plenty of city events. Yeah, sometimes we'll do that. So if there's music in the park, um, you know, Main Street Market, we'll sometimes just out of. Caution, we just say a potential for a quorum. Yeah. And so we'll post that out here um, <coughs> on the little bulletin board and say possibility that three council members might show up to such and such event. And that kind of covers it. But I think, as Kurt mentioned, it's not something to be overly scared about. You, and, and 
once you kind of get used to that um, that mantra, I know Russ will say sometimes, you know, you filter out of here and you end up in the parking lot, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait a minute, there's three of us, and we're starting to talk about yeah. stuff that just happened. We better, and it really quickly you go, oh, whoop, I gotta, one of us has got to go home. <laughs> so. <laughs> the meeting after the meeting is, is a, it's a phrase unto itself. We all know that because we all, all have it. And so you'll see sometimes me or Mark walk out, and if I see a couple people in the parking lot, I'm like, hey, what are you talking about? Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Chair, if I may ask, if I may ask a question, Mr. Chair, Kurt, yep. um, it's not illegal to talk about something or to reiterate something that was said in a public meeting. If it's your, if it's public, your public meeting and you, and you reiterate it with a quorum, a quorum of other people, two other people, it was not. It's not lawful. You can't repeat that uh, because you're now talking about the business. The function of your, of your committee. I mean, if you're, I mean, talking, if you're talking about something that happened in Congress or at the council, the council meeting, yeah, yeah, you know, you're, you're, if, it has, if it has any kind of sideways slant to city business, yeah, it gets you in trouble. So just, so just make sure that you don't have a quorum of people when you're talking about that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And an example here a week or so ago, we had a, uh, there was an Anoka County function, and we talked about carpooling, but Three of us on the council could not ride in the same car. Or just, or so, just talking about the twins the whole time. Yeah, I, I just, it wouldn't look good. I drove separately. Right, it would, right. Not, it would not look good. People would look at you and say, hey, uh, what are those people doing? Right. So, Thank you, Mr. Um, Chairman. Um, and then, you know, that, that can come into play for real when there's sometimes, especially with TNZ committee, you might have some very tense decisions to make, you know, you're going to, something's up for approval that some of the public doesn't like, um, that's when people will point fingers at you, like working on a project in the city of Anoka where they're trying to do the, uh, the unified garbage system, and people are up in arms, and they're accusing council members of having private conversations, and so that's when things get ugly. But if you just learn how to do it now, then you never have to worry about it, just keep out of trouble and don't even have the appearance of impropriety. Kurt, I don't know, sorry I missed a few of this, these things here, but um, did you kind of cover the personal liability that comes along with this rule? Yeah. I did. I, did. I covered the $300 for, for anybody personally that violates it. Uh, the city can get in trouble and get sued, but you're on the hook for that $300. And if you do it, if you do it three times, there's three violations, then you'll be removed from your committee by the Supreme Court. Yeah, you know, just to add to that, it's um, lots of other stuff you do, you're well covered by the city's insurance and um, as for a topic for another day, but Kurt and our planner, Phil, can give you a nice um, discussion about the legislative powers you have and the judiciary powers you have, or quasi-judiciary, and, um, you know, you're well protected by our, our insurance for that kind of stuff, but this is the one rule where you are personally liable, and so you need to take it very seriously, um, and um, make sure that we're staying above board on it. And it's again, as, as some of the discussion has mentioned, a lot of it's about perception more than reality. You don't want the public to have any inkling that there's something going on, and uh, even if there's nothing going on, and it's that's uh, just important to remember. So, correct. Correct. Okay. okay. Anything else, Mr. Chair? Anything else? No. I'm good. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Kurt. Thank, thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Kurt. Have a great night. Have a great night.
Okay, moving on from award presentations to old business, there is none. Um, next one, we'll move on to approval of minutes. Anybody get a chance to look at the last month's minutes? If so, and they're good, then take a motion on it. I'll make a motion to approve the minutes. I'll second. Any further discussion? All in favor, signify and say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, next section, announcements and updates. We'll start with Council Member Koski. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, we'll try to run through this quick, but I got a few notes. We had a fire steering committee meeting on January 18th. Um, went over the budget and year-end numbers for 2023. Not all of the, the expenses and revenues and whatnot were accounted for yet. Um, there's always some kind of leftover expense expenditures that got to be accounted for into January. So. But in a nutshell, um, what it came out is we had a little um, higher uh, income. Our revenues were higher than were originally budget, budgeted at $88,000, which is good, right? Interest rates and whatnot. So we made a little more money than expected. However, there's always <laughs> the other side of that coin, right? Um, expenditures were a little higher than expected, too, $115,000 over budget. So. Um, we ended up twenty-five dollars to $30,000 over budget, and again, the numbers aren't all in yet, but just to, um, uh, I wanted to point out one of the, kind of the significant numbers um, where we were over budget, payroll, because it's expensive to have people kind of hang out in the fire hall and get ready to go put out fires if they come up, right? So we're, we are paying some people to do that. So payroll was up, uh, vehicle maintenance was up, <coughs> vehicles are expensive, fire trucks are expensive, and it's expensive to maintain them. The other uh, category where we had increased expenses was on training. And I think if we're going to have any kind of an increase there in the budget, it, and training's a good one to spend a little extra money on, right? So we want to keep our people safe and make sure they're well trained. So I thought that was all interesting, just to give you an idea if my numbers are right, taking it up. Um, uh, the final budget, it was about $805,000 to run our fire department for 2023. Just to give you an idea, and about three, and Mark, correct me if I got these numbers wrong, but 321000 was Centerville's portion of that, so right in that neighborhood. So that's what it costs. Public safety is, as Mr. Kruger would know, it's it doesn't come uh, come cheap, right? But it's important to maintain that, and a lot of about half of our city budget goes to public safety. So uh, the other thing I wanted to mention about a week or so ago, um, I attended along with a couple other, another council member and uh, our mayor. Mr. Stotts, Anoka County local government officials meeting. So once a quarter, Anoka County will host a meeting for elected officials in the city, from the cities within the county. And um, it's always interesting, and you never know for sure what's going to come up. Um, but I thought the one that was really interesting, Mark, and I, I'll probably need you to chime in on this one too. I'd just like you folks to know what goes on out there. And there was a, um, a bill passed in the legislature in 2023 that's going to affect um, roads and improvement, road improvement to trunk highways, right? So essentially, Mark, if I got this right, 
if you have a trunk highway going through your city, which we don't, but um, if you have a trunk highway and you want to make improvements to your highway, um, it cannot be improvements that increase the traffic volume, essentially. That's about right. So um, you can't do it. If it's, you're going to add another lane, I think, Mark, that's the example I think you used when I asked you about it. You've got two lanes and you want to add another. That third lane is only going to increase traffic volume. You can't do that. Vehicular traffic volume. Vehicular traffic volume, right. So what does that mean? Well, I, I don't know, but there's a, from the presenter, um, one of the things that I gathered, it's kind of any land or a developable land you have on a trunk highway that's going to affect, why would a business want to go there, right? If you can't increase the traffic volume down this highway and you got an open lot there, you know, if you're a business, why would you want to locate there? So it can have an effect with, develop, with developable property. And right now that the law is just for trunk highways only, who's to say they don't expand it to county roads, right? So can you imagine if we had a rule like that that is going to really kind of dictate what we do with our county roads out here too? So little things that go on that we don't get to hear about, but or really could have an impact on a lot of people, especially out in rural areas too, that may have a trunk highway going through their community. So there was a little bit of uh, interest in that topic. That would really be about all I have, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Going on the administrative report, Mark. Yeah, Mr. Chair and Council, or Commission, I should say. Um, we had a new junior council member uh, sworn in, so Avery Sauber is our our third in a line of uh, junior council members that we've uh, been uh, having as part of our city council and it's been a great program and well received by many so um, she's done a great job she's been at a couple meetings already and in fact uh, attended our weekend retreat this last um, weekend yes. and had some great uh, things to say um, in terms of her input on the sort of overall planning and strategic goals that we're setting for the coming years um, Central Cares is focused on National Blood Month was in Blood Donor Month was in January. We still do have uh, plenty of volunteer opportunities for members of the public uh, to uh, help us out on this committee. We have two openings on this committee, and we have one on the Parks and Rec committee as well. And then, of course, plenty of opportunities to volunteer for summertime uh, events with the parks. So please um, let us know if you're available to um, be a part of that. If you notice some of the equipment here on the tables and in the back there, that is voting equipment. And um, yes, you may now vote in the presidential nominating primary. And uh, that goes from now until March 5th, I think. Whatever that Tuesday, that first Tuesday in March is. And um, so come on out and cast your vote. And then, um, you know, we'll be having a, an election uh, in November again. And 46 days ahead of that, you'll be able to come in and vote in a similar fashion to what we've got set up here um, in advance of that date as well. So lots of uh, important dates to remember on, on voting. Um, the name of snowplow contest was extended, I think, uh, up until tomorrow night. They're still taking entries, so if you want to get a last-minute entry in, tomorrow night is, is the Park and Rec uh, meeting, and I believe they're going to make a decision on that. 20th Avenue or the County 54 uh, corridor study um, has been progressing. We had another meeting the other day. So this is a study of 
20th Avenue, which is County State at Highway 54, um, from Birch Street all the way up to the northern limits of our city. And then also we're studying the intersection at 21st and Main. And those um, areas are being studied um, partly due to Amazon uh, and the impacts from Amazon. And that was, the study um, is um, in large part to decide um, what the priority improvements will be um, to utilize the funds that Amazon um, uh, earmarked for us to use in, to improve road, the roadway network around them. Um, so that was kind of part of the, the deal we struck with Amazon was that they gave us a, a chunk of money to um, do some improvements on the area roadway network. This study is kind of going through and making sure we prioritize what where those funds go. Um, in addition to that, it's just a, a, a corridor study that will kind of outline what the future of 20th Avenue looks like, and um, we'll kind of attempt to put a little bit of a timeline on it, although a lot of that is it's not so much time dependent, it's traffic dependent, so as traffic levels increase and the road sort of what we might call matures, um, we'd make those decisions as they come, right, and um, might be spurred by a development along the uh, corridor, might be spurred by, you know, some other federal money or something being available, might be spurred by unfortunately sometimes accidents or other um, issues like that. So <coughs> it's a forward-looking thing, and um, this doesn't mean that we're going to come out of this and immediately, you know, reconstruct the whole corridor. It's not this, these projects um, or the full corridor reconstruction isn't on our CIP, and it's not on the county's CIP, so, you know, we're talking at least five to ten years out for most of these improvements. Um, we will probably come out of this with some um, fairly immediate improvements probably at 21st and Main and probably with regard to Fairview Street and how that aligns with County 20 or County 54 and um, whether or not uh, there's a turn lane or a roundabout involved there and that kind of thing. So there will likely be some, I'll call it immediate improvements, probably not this summer, but um, in the, in the two-year horizon. And then the rest of it will kind of, again, depend on traffic and other factors and where we can fit it into our budget cycle and where the county can fit it into their budget cycle. So lots of good stuff there. Please pay attention, um, you know, public and uh, folks here. Um, there will be public notices for open houses and other opportunities for public input. We'd love to hear what residents have to say about um, the various designs. So what will happen is they'll be putting out some um, schematic designs, you know, a couple different options. Maybe there's a roundabout here and a signal there and a turn lane here and a extra lane there and all that will be um, kind of laid out in a way that you can understand it and give your opinion on the various options so please uh, participate on that um, public works uh, just a couple of things um, the Centerville Lake water quality project looks to be moving forward uh, good news is we got a large grant there of almost a million dollars or the, the watershed did and um, there is a small match portion that the watershed is working with partners, um, including ourselves, Lionel Lakes, the Anoka County Parks Department, to uh, make up that match amount. Um, so all in all, uh, what's going to happen is that the um, lake will get an alum treatment, which is um, it's a chemical that's put in the lake that um, binds with phosphorus and settles it out to the bottom. The lake will get almost immediately clearer, and um, that will improve the water quality and, and hopefully um, not have us having these uh, late summer algae blooms that shut down the beach and are dangerous for 
pets than even humans. Um, and you know, so aesthetically, it's going to be great. Uh, Safety-wise, it's going to be great. The one uh, drawback is that clear water means more weeds. Uh, I'll call them weeds. He, the gentleman that was here called them aquatic vegetation, <laughs> but um, more commonly known as weeds. So that is a you know, a, it's a sign of a healthy lake when you have uh, weed beds in, in shallow areas. Uh, but that will be um, one consequence. But I think um, for most, for the most part, I think folks are excited to have a, a cleaner, clearer lake, uh, given what we've seen in the last few years. So how is this stuff applied? It's just a big, giant um, arms with a spray uh, in, a, in a boat, and it just goes back, back and forth, forth and back yeah. and forth. It like you know, paints it on the water. Um, obviously, they need somewhat of a calm day, and they've got GPS, I'm sure, to you know make sure they don't double spray of certain areas and stuff like that. But hmm. yeah, just a big, kind of like a, you'd see on a, a golf course, you know, applying chemicals to a fairway or something, but on a much larger scale. Hmm. Um, and uh, it also, it's, um, they'll be doing a dose this spring and then likely a, another dose um, of that chemical in 2026 is the plan at this point in time. So it's kind of a, a two dose uh, setup. Uh, the Police Department welcomed a new officer, Seamus is his name, so he's uh, our newest recruit and we've got a couple other open spots that we're hoping to fill here in the near future. Uh, the Lalonde property uh, continues uh, its journey here through uh, the approval process. Um, uh, we've been talking with the developer on um, just modifications to the layout and um, going through that sort of design development phase in terms of how does this project end up looking. This graphic here, um, you know, maybe the layout that is ultimately pushed forward, um, but uh, certainly other things um, could change. The parking on the west side is a, a bit of a talking point. It's not particularly aesthetically pleasing to have parking between the building and the lake. Um, Westview Street, as it's shown here, will likely not go all the way through. If it does, it would most likely just be a right out. In other words, you could come off of Westview Street and take a right, but probably could not come in off of Main Street from there. Um, and that's just because of the curve there. It just doesn't make for real safe um, traversing of that intersection. Uh, so, you know, we're asking the developer to produce a new figure based on their final thoughts on the layout and um, hopefully it will get a better the public to look at so that we understand that Westview probably does not go through. Westview, what, we, what it would do is it would sort of dead end at the parking lot there or whatever. If there is no parking lot, it's the turn in or driveway to the underground parking. So if folks uh, can see the schematic here, the underground parking would be um, accessed right here. And um, you know, then there's parking all the way throughout the building underneath the three stories of the um, underground parking there. It'll, it'll be called underground parking because as you approach the building from the east, it will be underground. As you look at it from the west, you will see that exposed like a walkout almost, right? Um, obviously, they'll have decorative block and, um, you know, it won't just be uh, cement and, you know, it won't look like a parking garage. It'll be dressed up a bit, but um, because the, of the slope there and uh, how the hill lays, uh, those will be a little bit more exposed there. Um, we're working with the school uh, and the developer to make sure that the two uses there are um, compatible and that the bus traffic and the traffic from the apartment can
can mix um, in a way that is safe for everybody. Um, the school is looking forward to perhaps even small modifications to their turnaround here to maybe just get a little bit more room for their buses to turn around. Got some thoughts here we got to put together on how this trail connects and how does that continue. Um, so lots of things to discuss there. The building layout itself, um, some of the things being debated are whether or not um, it should move to the west so that um, more of that parking could be on the east um, and perhaps just how it fits into the hill um, might be part of that discussion as well in terms of like dirt work balancing. Um, other proposals were to perhaps mirror the building or flip it so that the long end is on the south and the shorter end is on the north. Um, part of that would be to just minimize the impacts to folks to the north. Um, might be a little bit better again for how it lays out with the hill. If you know anything about the site, the, the north end drops off um, as well as the west end and so what you see there um, might not fit with the land exactly as well as um, it does on the south end where the hill extends a little bit further west. Um, if you notice there's a subtle little bump out here on the southeast corner of the building. Um, that is where we're asking for some architectural treatments there, perhaps a clock tower type of um, or a spire with a, a dome on it, um, something of architectural interest, something to um, address the French quarter uh, or the French uh, Canadian architecture standards that are in our downtown master plan. Um, so we'll be looking for some artic, uh, artist sketches of that uh, coming soon from the developer and we'll be making those available to the public for comment as soon as we can as well. Um, we are planning a, uh, an open house style um, public meeting here probably uh, towards the end of February or early March for um, the developer to, uh, you know, again, just be here to answer questions and um, invite the public in to give their comments and feedback on the, on the proposal. Um, that would be in addition to the, the required public hearing that would, if we end up getting a, an application for preliminary plat from these folks, um, the formal application would require a public hearing with mailed notices to everyone within 350 feet plus the publication in the paper. Um, so that's the required hearing, but this um, open house we're planning is something above and beyond that just to kind of give the public a little bit more opportunity to to um, voice their uh, concerns or compliments. And so, um, and just as a reminder, all this stuff to the south of Westview Street is really just um, what we call ghost platting. In other words, we're just sort of imagining what might be there. There's no current proposal on the table from for any of that. It's just wanting to make sure that uses that we might um, imagine in, the, in that area would be compatible with the street layout and how everything else lays out. Any questions on, on that? I know it's, it's kind of a, the big um, item in front of you now, even though it's not in front of you for any action at this time. Is there any questions people have just so I could update them on anything? Did anything come up about widening West, um, the Centerville Road? So um, Westview Street, you know, if you've driven down that, that mm -hmm. is very narrow and would need to be widened out to city standard with um, Centerville Road, what, we'll, what we've been talking with the developer about is doing a traffic study to determine whether or not there's any modifications needed to Centerville Road, whether there's modifications needed to the intersection at Centerville and Main. Um, you know, I think 
correctly, I think, but uh, that it would trigger a signal or something of that nature. But um, so yeah, we will look at those things a little bit more closely with a traffic study. That would be a part of the requirements of the development. Uh, but no, nothing, nothing concrete nothing at this point. Yeah. Was that uh, on the West Drew Street? Was this original right turnout that? Was discussed here that wasn't presented before. Was no, it? it wasn't, and this unfortunately this graphic you know shows the road going through, and it's never been discussed that way, and I, it's frustrating. But um, so th there has been just sort of ancillary discussion because you know members of the public and just other folks looking at this have expressed concerns with the traffic mixing with the school um, traffic at Main and Central Road, and you know can that intersection handle it? I think a traffic study, you know, will bear out whether or not that is going to be a problem. But um, one thought of, of relieving some of that pressure would be to have a right out on Westview. Um, e even that, I, I will caution, is still something that needs to be evaluated in terms of safety. Uh, right turns tend to be safer, right? And uh, you only have to look one direction and make sure that you have a gap in the traffic. But as you can see, if you were a car sitting here, you can actually see there's a car coming around that curve, and if you remember what was there, there's a retaining wall there, so you can't see around that curve. Now it's set back from the curve line, and um, so if I'm sitting right here, can I see that car that's approaching there? I, I don't know. Um, you know, those sight lines will have to be evaluated whether or not there's adequate sight distance there. Obviously the people coming to the west have just been at a four-way stop, so they're not at full speed yet, but you know, depends on how hard you kick it down, right? So. I would, I would just say from an engineer's perspective, that connection is not ideal. And we would, generally speaking, we would want to uh, funnel people towards the main intersection at uh, Centerville Road and Main Street. But I don't want to take anything off the table at this point. It's, those options are all still out there. May we ask questions on this? Mr. Chair, it's up to you if you'd like to have any members of the public. Yeah. Want to come, should they come up? That's certainly your prerogative, yeah. yeah if you want to yeah, come up to them. State your name and address. Uh, my name is Nancy Golden. My address is 1654 Lakeland Circle, and my home will be backing up to this. Um, as a 26-year long resident of Centerville, I strongly oppose this. Um, my concern number one would be the traffic pattern with the school. Uh, again, my home backs up to the school, and I don't know uh, with a building from my understanding of being 110 units, you're looking at at least conservatively 200 additional cars coming in and out of there multiple times a day. Um, I have concern with that. Um, secondly, when you look at uh, the building's proposal of having um, rooftop grilling areas, again, that's all overlooking right into my backyard. Um, and I think in having, I, I know not pertinent to this discussion, but um, just for a feel of it, um, Bill was, has, was my neighbor for 26 plus years and he's rolling over in his grave at the thought of his property being turned into this. Um, my other question would be looking at how is this competition um, for space to be afforded um, when there's so many, um, buildings farther down Centerville Road in North Oaks that are considered luxury. So how is Centerville going to compete to fill these vacancies? Um, and then also really what
what does this offer? Um, what is the impetus for this? What does this really offer Centerville? Uh, I think many people, um, my family included, came here because we wanted to be out of the suburbs. We like the, the lake, we like um, the trails. Um, but now again, adding all those additional people who um, they won't be taxpayers into the city, they'll be rental units. Um, so my question is, is you know, why are we willing to sell out our crown jewel of our parks and our trails and our lake to people who may not be fully invested in this community? I mean, when it comes down to it, if I'm right, Mark, that area, the way it's zoned, it fits the zoning, so it's like we can't deny them based on just because they're apartment zoning, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, this, it's important to note, the, to be fair, that the council is considering uh, tax increment financing, which is an optional thing to do, um, a sort of incentive, if you will. So that's certainly uh, an offering that does not need to be made. Um, but yes, the zoning is set up and has been for 30 years or better um, to be this um, dense and to accommodate this type of development. Um, both the zoning and the um, comprehensive plan guidance for this property is, has been um, you know, guided toward this type of development for quite some time. Um, so yeah, I think the comments are well received and, and certainly uh, we share some of those concerns and um, we'll be evaluating some of those things as we go along. And when will the traffic study begin? So Mr. Chair, uh, the, um, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Nancy Golden. Nancy, Ms. Golden, um, asked just about the traffic study. Um, I'm just repeating so that folks on, on, on TV can hear. Um, the traffic study would be a part of uh, what we would require for, um, along with the application uh, for preliminary plat, we would um, ask that that be submitted along with um, their plans and other information to, um, as part of the evaluation that we would do as part of that uh, entitlement process. You want to continue on your yeah, report, yeah. Mark? Uh, the Connor James Salon did uh, put up their fence, uh, taking advantage of the good weather and got their fence up so they're almost done with their interim use permit uh, requirements. Just got to check the grass in the summer when it greens up a bit and we should be good to go there. Uh, we just uh, dealt with the max storage folks and um, as I mentioned they're fully up and running now and so um, looking to lease those buildings up um, and get at least up so they can build building number two sometime. Um, Amazon, um, you know maybe just uh, worth mentioning that we did work with Amazon on, uh, if you recall a while back the Planning Commission and then the Council designated Fairview Street as and a number of other streets in the industrial area as no parking. Um, it was always the intent of Fairview to be no parking. It just wasn't, there wasn't anyone on Fairview, so we didn't really have an issue with it. Um, but um, the signs were not put in place, and so you can't enforce no parking if there aren't any signs. And so as the Christmas season rolled along and Amazon got a little busier, they started to um, spill out onto Fairview Street. We immediately um, contacted them and worked with them to, to try to mitigate that issue. Um, 
and we did put signs up and began enforcement. And I believe we have that under control at this point in time. Um, obviously, the busy season has passed as well, but um, we did gain compliance with uh, from Amazon, and I want to thank them for working with us through that issue. Um, so going forward, you know, Fairview will be no parking in there. There won't be folks parked on there. We'll continue to monitor that. So um, aside from that, I think that's about all the updates I've got. I've got um, just some stuff from our website, kits and all that kind of stuff. So happy to answer Thank any you. other questions. Have a good night. Anybody have any questions for Mark? thinking about when quick trip and so forth in that area was developed there were some expressions about not putting out a notification I don't know if that's applicable to um, this uh, development that we've got going on but that's worth remembering I don't know what you think about that Mark yeah I mean um Council has debated that a bit here and there uh, in terms of what level of notification you know, do we need mail mailers to. You know, the law says 350 feet. Do we do a thousand feet? Do we mail a postcard to everyone in town? Do you do that for Lalonde? Do you do that for Block Seven? Do you do that for name your development? Um, so there's some precedent um, issues to think about there. Um, you know, I, I think it's fairly clear that this is going to be a a project that's going to have a lot of interest from the public and um, we've already got it up on our website we've already received a number of comments the policy and I are sort of cataloging those so that we can um, include them in the public hearing uh, documents once we get to that point um, we're planning this extra um, open house we're certainly going to put that out on what we call all platforms <laughs> Twitter Facebook the reader board out in the front of the City Hall we'll put it on the web page We'll put it out in the city email blast. We'll have it in the administrator's report. Short of literally mailing everyone a postcard of some sort, um, I think we'll we'll do everything up to that. If the council feels mailing a postcard to everyone or, or people within a certain radius is a good idea, then we'll we'll probably do that. Um, otherwise, we'll we'll likely just you know put it out on all the media um, platforms that we have available. And um, beyond that, uh, you know, we're happy to take suggestions on what other avenues we can do to get the word out, but I, I think, um, you know, we're, we're trying to get ahead of this one as much as possible and throwing in that extra open house to, to try to um, make sure that everyone has a chance to be heard is important, so. Has there been any other interest in potential other business or whatever, um, housing or senior housing or anything like that for that property? Um, not that we're aware of the you know I think it's important to remember too people tend to think that the developer comes straight to the city and um, the owner of the property uh, the, the estate of Lil Mr. Lalonde is are the ones who have chosen this developer to work with and um, then the developer has brought forth our plans so it's not that the city went out and chose this developer uh, this is someone that the property owner has brought forward um, so if the develop if the property owner has discussed with others in terms of um, other development styles, um, I can't say that I'm formally aware of that. I, you know, 
anecdotally, I know that he did talk to a number of developers uh, with similar proposals. Um, so in other words, apartment developers. Uh, I believe he has also spoken with uh, townhome developers and has um, you know interest from that um, community, I'll call it. I don't know that anyone that he's been in contact with anyone in terms of any retail or anything like that. It's it's a little too far off the main drag to you know it's not the primary or not the most um, desirable retail site obviously with lots closer to Main Street being more desirable. But so yeah, he the, the property owners definitely did talk to um, other developers and ended up choosing Hebert as one that they trusted and wanted to work with. And the owners of the property now have not sold the property yet. It's still no. contingent on stuff, right? Yeah, it's our understanding that there's a purchase agreement, which is usually contingent upon getting entitlements, which means getting the approvals from the city to, to develop. And the TIP thing is still at council. You guys haven't voted on it yet, correct? Still. Right. The, what what's, what has happened at council is that there was a memorandum of understanding put forward. That memorandum of understanding um, is a non-binding agreement. Essentially, it's a handshake written down. Um, but the, the the document does discuss up to um, 15 years and two and a half million dollars in tax increment financing being offered. Um, again, up to and uh, certainly still up for negotiation. And again, it's it's not a binding document. Council could vote yes or no still um, when that all comes up, but um, that's we wanted to give the developer some indication as to whether or not it was even going to be entertained and whether or not it was worth their while because at this point they're spending tens of thousands of dollars on plans and architectural drawings and all that kind of stuff. So that was the purpose of that memorandum. As an architect, that's a risk you take. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? No. <laughs> I can motion to adjourn. Does Don want to make a motion to adjourn? What was that? Do you, does Don want to make a motion to adjourn? I'll make a motion to adjourn. <laughs> All second. <laughs> All in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion carries to adjourn. Oh, that was my first motion. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a good one. <laughs>